It's Monday, April the 6th. We're studying 2 Peter, and we've reached 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. I want you to look at the text with me. Here you remember the context about the divine power of God granting us all things for life and godliness. That godliness is progressive. We've seen things in this passage like this in verse number four, escaping corruption, partaking the divine nature. We know that the ultimate expression of that is when we're glorified, but there are plenty of uh, progressive aspects of that that we need to deal with in our Christian life. That's why we are too, as this passage says right here, so important, make every effort to supplement your faith. That phrase right there has been a very important governing statement on all the things that follow. And then we've got virtue, and virtue we're adding knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, self-control with stick or endurance, steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. And godliness, now we've reached this passage right here. This is our next one here, with brotherly affection. Now that's an interesting, very difficult and maybe even an uncomfortable command for us. We're almost to the end and you can see where we're going here, love. Well, we have a word here that is related to the word love, at least in its definition, but is clearly trying to bring out something different, brotherly affection. I want us to think through what this word means and I'll give you the Greek word, which I know you know because it's transliterated directly into English. It's the Greek word Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia, we know, of course, is a city, but you, I trust, know what the word means. Phileo is the Greek word for love. Adelphos is the Greek word for brother. Uh, you might know Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's what we mean by this word. Now, of course, we're about to get the word love that we're going to deal with tomorrow. But right now, we're dealing with this statement that we are to love as brothers. And that's a challenging thing because we are not biological brothers as brothers in Christ. We are both submitted to the Lordship of Christ. We follow Christ. We try to uh, do what he says in his word. And now we're told to have the kind of love, as it's translated here, even affection that you would have if we were in the same biological family. Uh, and that is a uh, challenging command for sure. Take a look at uh, some things in the scripture here as it relates to the command. Uh, I want to show you this in Romans chapter 12, a similar concept in verse number 10 here. It says you're to love one another with, there it is again, brotherly affection. This is the command of Scripture, that I am supposed to love uh, Christians with a brotherly affection. If you look at this particular text in the Greek language, and I just want to show you the compound here, look down here at the interlinear where you stack the uh, English words underneath the Greek words. Here's our word Philadelphia, and, and this is saying in, in the brotherly love, to be as literal as we can, uh, toward one another, in one another, we are to affectionately love. And if you're really careful to look at these two words, you'll see this right here. Uh, this is the, the root of both of these words. They're both compound words. Uh, phileo, or philia and phileo here. You have the word adelphos, or brother, but here you have the word storge. There are four words uh, that translate love in the ancient world. Uh, agape, which we'll deal with next time. Uh, storge and phileo and eros. Eros, of course, is a sexual love. That's something we're talking about in any of these passages in the New Testament. Actually, we don't even see that word used in the New Testament, but storge and phileo. Here we see the compound that I'm supposed to, to 
quote our English text here in verse number 10, love one another with a brotherly affection. This right here is the compound word phileo storge, and that is a statement of a kind of expression that you might have in a family as you have kids growing up and uh, they're they're affectionate toward one another. That, that's the picture. Um, and, and certainly in the Bible, you see this very strange command, at least from our ears, that we are to greet one another uh, with a holy kiss, or as it says, as Peter says, a kiss of love. Uh, Paul commands the Christians to greet one another that way, to show a kind of physical affection toward one another. And um, that, by the way, is the same root as we have here, phileo. It's the same root, it's a verb, it's the word that translates the uh, word that we have in our English text to kiss, used seven times in the Greek New Testament. Uh, two times we see it there in the Gospels as it relates to uh, Judas. Judas, you might remember, betrays Christ with a kiss. Uh, we have five of them commanded by by the New Testament authors to have the church greet one another in this kind of um, affectionate way, to show a physical, tactile expression of their love for one another. Now, before you write this off as, well, you know, they're much more physical back then in that uh, culture. It's like traveling to, you know, Italy perhaps and, and you know, you say hi to someone, you stick out your hand to shake your, their hand and they, you know, kiss you on both cheeks or, you know, if you're in another culture, they might bow instead of uh, shaking of hands. But you need to read this entry here in a very uh, authoritative, um, the, the Yale uh, Anchor Bible Dictionary, uh, the scholastic, one of the scholastic dictionaries of the ancient world, which deals with culture and history. And I want to show you this quote here on the screen, which is, I think, is very helpful for us to understand. Uh, actually, we'll start with the, the beginning of this. There's a general agreement that the holy kiss, as it's described, had its origins in the practice which emerged in the early church among the believers themselves. The impetus, how it started, probably coming from the shape of their life uh, with Jesus himself, because, here's the key phrase I want you to catch, nothing analogous to it can be found in any Greco-Roman societies. That is a key phrase right there, because before you think about the fact that the New Testament is telling us to show some kind of, of tactile affection that you might see between two little kids in a family, you need to realize that there was no uh, Greco-Roman backdrop to this. That was not what they did. As a matter of fact, I have researched plenty of uh, extra biblical writings from the Roman and, and Grecian worlds that uh, show that they had no, no interest in doing this, certainly not in any public way outside of the family. Uh, there was no uh, foundation for this. Uh, keep reading in this. It says, it's been suggested that Jesus originated the practice. Judas, you might remember, as I just quoted there, kissed Jesus in the garden, a sign which would convey one message to outsiders. They'd think, okay, well, that's unique. We don't see that happening very often, but would be the usual form of greeting and hence arouse no suspicions among the insider group, those who were the apostles there in the garden of Gethsemane. That is helpful for us to know that the early church is being pushed beyond the boundaries of, of culture here to treat one another as though they're literal family members, even though they're not. You see Jesus always making that hierarchical distinction between people that are in his biological family, like his mother and his brothers, and then saying, well, really, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And you can just see him you know, motioning with his hands to his, to his disciples and his apostles, making it clear that that was his closest relationships that he had on earth. And that, he said, even supersedes his kind of, 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 of hierarchical 
priority for his family. That's a hard thing for us to imagine. Certainly with Christianity being equated so often in our day with you know family first or family radio or the family bookstores, these things are often synonymous with Christianity. But in the scripture, you see this very important priority that I'm supposed to love Christ and thus by extension, the body of Christ uh, more than I would even love my own biological family. Of course, Gratefully, many of us have biological family members that are also a part of the body of Christ, but uh, this is a hard teaching to see that my Christianity needs, I need every effort to add to my faith this kind of a brotherly affection. It's a good place for us to give some thought to and to ponder this truth because it doesn't come uh, as a natural thing. I mean, actually it is in essence an, an unnatural command in many ways to treat your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in your local church as though they were your uh, biological family. Um, this is gonna need some work in our own hearts. Take a look at this passage with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. It says, God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives you the Holy Spirit. This is a very hard-hitting command about holiness. Now, talking about this particular body here of, of Christians, it says, now concerning brotherly love, he says, uh, there's no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God how to love one another. Now, that's a very interesting way to put it, because again, here is our phrase, brotherly love, because God himself is the one who is driving people internally because of the regeneration of their hearts, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, to want to love their spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ the way that they would love their, their biological brothers and sisters in Christ. So uh, he's saying God teaches this, certainly Jesus himself, be, to be very specific, the incarnate Christ that demonstrated this kind of, of uh, closeness with his apostles. And certainly he teaches us that. But anyway, still, even though this is something we could say is driven by God's word and by God's changing of our hearts and God's spirit within us, it says, uh, well, you're doing it. He says, for that indeed is what you are doing um, to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. So it's not even just your local church. Anyone who shares your commitment to Christ as they traveled about in this ancient Roman uh, province, they would greet other Christians as though they were long lost family members. Uh, but even so, even though this is something that that God has, um, has worked in our hearts and is motivating us internally, he says, we urge you, it's a strong word here, brothers, which again is an interesting way to describe us. It's the most common way. Over 300 times it's describing fellow believers as brothers. There's the familial kind of context for this. Uh, to do this more and more. We urge you to do this more and more. And so we know that while there is something to the um, organic work of God within our hearts to love the body of Christ the way that we should, uh, we know that it's going to take effort. We are to make every effort to add to our faith more brotherly affection. As he says to the Thessalonians, To uh, he urges them to do it more and more. So it's going to certainly require that we work at this. And even that purifying of our hearts, it's a good way to put it, as Peter says in First uh, Peter chapter 1, there, there's something about our heart and even the vestiges of some of our old ways of thinking and uh, who we were before we were Christians that make this hard. So look at this passage with me, First Peter chapter 1. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, uh, it says, for a, one of the things that's expressing that is a, and there's our word again, our brotherly love. He says, then love one another, and here's some great words too, earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And the idea here is that this is going to take a kind of a, a pure heart. This is gonna take the kind of heart that um, 
takes the bitterness and the envy or the jealousy or any kind of strife and hostility, the factionalism that's so easy to have just as natural human beings to kind of continue to flush that out of our hearts through repentance and confession and then working hard to earnestly and sincerely with a pure heart love our brothers in Christ. And so God is asking us to do that, to kind of make the concessions and make the effort and to make the uh, the sacrifices that you would see within a biological family to make that a part of the regular expression of our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to act on this. We need to work at this. We need to let our feelings catch up. This is not driven by feelings. This is driven by our love. And we're gonna see that in the next word that we're gonna deal with tomorrow, this agape love. It's it's taught by God. It's granted by God. It's all a part of weeding out the bad in our hearts that might uh, muffle this or might curtail it. And um, it might be hard. It might be out of the box for us to push ourselves in this area. But Second Peter uh, chapter 1 makes it clear in verse number 7 that this is what we are to make every effort to add to our faith. So I commission you to that challenge, as challenging as it may be. Maybe for some of us it's more challenging than others, but make it your passion because God calls us to do this and to make every effort to see this uh, uh, quality, as he says it later in the passage, uh, increasing. And, and we wanna see this increasing. I'd like this to be something in my life and in your life that's more this year than it was last year. And I know this is an odd thing for us to teach on while we're all separated physically and having to shelter in place and we're not able to have any kind of, of expressions in, in person, but uh, it's something to work on in our hearts. So even when we get back together, uh, when we can assemble to have that kind of experience expression as though we're meeting up with biological family at a family reunion. That's how church ought to feel. That's how the body of Christ ought to function. And uh, I pray that God would work that in our hearts. So leave us a comment if this is a helpful uh, study for you. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I always like to hear the feedback that you have on these studies, and I want you to keep on tuning in. The best way to do that is to subscribe to whatever avenue you get this material from, and uh, make sure you hit the notifications so you're notified. And uh, we'll get back with you tomorrow with that last one, the eighth one in this list, to make sure that we make every effort to add to our faith, love, agape love.